That uh, positive confession thing has tripped many people up. It's uh, it's it's demonic at its core mm. uh, when it is used incorrectly. You know, um, where it actually comes from. It comes from a book called The Secret. Yeah, sure. this book was written. It's a new age book. It was written in the late 1990s, early 2000s, mm. and the church, who um, at that time was the church was dominated by the prosperity preaching, and what happened was um, this book was actually brought into. Pentecostal charismatic churches, they taught out of this book. I remember them ta- teaching from this book. Mm. I thought it was a Christian author or whatever. Years later, I found out it's New Age. Mm. And um, this whole book was about uh, um, positive thinking, positive confession. And if the more you, you confess, you will use the law of attraction. And uh, if you stare at the BMW on your screen, um, on your computer screen, if you stare at, uh, I don't know, if... If you like, if you like them tall and blonde, um, you stare at a woman long enough. That's the kind of woman that you're going to get because you're going to confess them. If you like, if you like the Latino look, you'll get a Latino. Um, I don't know, but they they used to. It was really bad, guys. It was disgusting. Um, I still remember the church that I was working in. I would go and visit the pastors. And I'd sit down and, you know, you go through, the, through the, uh, the different offices and you speak to the different guys. And each and everybody had a vision wall or a vision um, thing on their screens. Yes, you know, yes. now those, um, a what do you call wall and a, a dream vision, wall, yeah, vision wall. Yeah. But on the computer screen, they would have those slideshows with all mm. the stuff. And every pastor had a Rolex that would pop up or a X5 BMW <laughs> or a big house or, or whatever it was. And I, I used to ask the guys, I'd be like, so, so what is this? And the guys would be like, no, oh, this is what I'm praying for. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And um, yeah, no, I'm, confess- I'm confessing, I'm using this scripture and that scripture, confessing, confessing until, until this thing uh, arrives in my life. <laughs> and um, sure. listen, the, the Bible does have a scripture for that, and it does have a, a, an actual um, teaching on it. It's called... Idol, idol worship. <laughs> okay, so uh, if you make an idol in your heart and you chase it, okay, you might get it. You might get it. Okay, you're not going to get it through positive confession though, and you might get it from scheming, scamming, lying, cheating, doing it your, in your own strength. But when you get it, the Bible says that you will have pierced yourself through with many sorrows because you're chasing money, because you're chasing the things of this world. You know, so. Um, that thing, that's why I actually brought it up on Sundays because uh, we haven't actually spent enough time expelling all those bad beliefs that have come up through the church over the last, say, 50 years. It's, there's some really confusing stuff there. Really confusing stuff. That's why. Yeah. You gave it a nice uh, catchphrase, word yeah. of faith. Mm. Yeah, word of faith. Chase, name it, frame yeah. it, name it, claim it, and frame it. That's what they used to say, you know. They used to stand in the services and they'd go, everybody, put your hands out and go, money cometh to me. I'm saying, I'm not joking, guys. They used to do it. I used to sit in the thing and (laughs) I was doing it as well because I was following them. Money! And I was like, it's coming, it's going to him, why is that coming to me? What's going on? It used to be very frustrating. Yeah, you got along there. No, it's crazy stuff, it's crazy stuff. I've seen pastors dance on money. So what they do is they tell everyone, come and take. So the pastor will go like this, he'll say, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying right now 
there's 50 people in the room, they must give 10,000 rand right now. And then let me tell you something, the guys get up. They come and they come and throw their cards. Some of them have got cash. If they don't have 10 grand, they'll throw the 500 with an IOU. I'm not even joking. They'll write an IOU. You've seen it. And then the pastor runs on the money and he dances while the band plays. And that's how he, he, he now blesses the money. Guys, this, we grew up in this stuff. It is crazy. <laughs> hey? That is, it is a circus. Scary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure you guys have been in some of those meetings, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, but you must understand because at that time I used to be in the pews myself before we actually went into pastoring. <coughs> and this is how dangerous it is, guys, because this is the witchcraft and the manipulation that's taking place. Because you guys are sitting there, I stand up here and I go, guys, the Holy Spirit is saying one thousand rand. The number is 1,000 rand, and there's 10 people here that need to give 1,000 rand. So now, the first thing that happens is, all the teachings of, yes, if you're disobedient, a curse comes on you. Sure. Okay, so they've primed you with all those teachings that if you don't listen, first of all, to the set man, who is the, the pastor, the anointed one, in actual fact, no one's anointed, Christ is anointed, we partake of his anointing. Okay, but they always speak of the anointed one that is in charge of the church. So then what they do is they teach you that if if he's hearing from the Lord and you do not listen, you are now disobeying God because he represents God as the prophet or the set man. And when he when he disobeys, uh, when you disobey him, you're disobeying God. And obviously, if there's any form of disobedience in your heart, you are now cut off from the blessings of God. He has no grace for you, and now you will face uh, the hardship of, obviously, whatever the punishment that comes your way. Maybe you're going to lose money. Maybe you're going to um, have a problem in your marriage. Maybe you're going to get uh, um, a health problem or whatever it is, but God's going to punish you for not obeying the pastor. No, no it is a curse. That is the curse that comes upon you. Yeah. So, so... So you see how crazy it is? But now think about it. So the first thing is, okay, disobedience. The second thing is shame. Because James is standing up and Ashley's standing up and Lillian's standing up and all the rest of you are going, I'm, I'm looking like somebody who can't hear the voice of God. I look like somebody who's just right out disobedient. And uh, what happens? Out of pressure, you stand up and you don't have a thousand rand. So now you're going to uh, you're going to make it happen. Are you with me? It is disgusting. It's witchcraft, and uh, it is people using their places of power, distorting the truth so that they can milk, shear the sheep over again, shear them and shear them and shear them, until the sheep have got nothing left to give. You know, then they uh, chew you up, spit you out, and wait for the next bunch who come in, and the next bunch fall for the very same thing. I had a big issue with this when I left that, that movement. It's called the Word of Faith movement. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, why was I stuck in this thing? Why didn't you protect me? Mm. I was like angry, man. I was like, why didn't you protect me from these wolves in sheep's skin? And God said, I couldn't protect you. You had an idol in your heart. Yeah, sure. And I was like, I had an idol. 
you know, because now, you know, I'm supposed to be the great guy, you know. I'm like, I'm right, they're wrong, Lord. And God said, you had the same idol in your heart that the guy up there had. And I was like, what is that? And he said, you wanted money, materialistic things, success. You wanted the dreams he p- painted for you. Sure. So I was talking to you for 10 years, my friend. Mm. 10 years I was speaking into your heart, trying to get you out of this thing. But the idol in your heart made you dumb. Sure. It made you deaf and it made you blind. You could not see and you could not hear my voice because you wanted this thing that they had. Amen? Crazy, crazy stuff. That's why we are so careful about how we speak about money. We are so careful about how we approach approach the sheep because we know the damage that has been done. We know. It is crazy. And it's still happening. It's still happening. Just switch TBN for half an hour. You'll bump into one of them. Somewhere along the line, one of them are going to pop up there and they're going to be telling you, so now, the, the windows of heaven are open right now. They're going to close in 20 minutes, okay? (laughs) So if you don't, so right now, you're missing out on your jackpot. (laughs) Guys, I'm not even joking. They have the audacity to do this stuff in the name of God. It is disgusting. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Of course, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, for sure. You see, the value, the value will lead them to, to give. But the thing is, is the problem, if the guy up here has an insatiable, insatiable, unquenchable diet, okay, or, or, or lust, should I say, for things and control and money and power, then he will say certain things in a certain way that will uh, um, bring you to a place where you think you're getting a revelation, He's actually manufacturing one on your behalf. Sure, it's true. Well, and also, you must remember, there is, a, there is an element of trust from the sheep to the shepherd. Yeah. Mm. Amen? If, if I've prayed over JR, I've walked with him for a while, and you know, the Holy Spirit, because remember, you can, they can sometimes hear God, and then sometimes they can prophesy completely falsely. Eh? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I might have prophesied over his life a couple of times and it was right. Are you with me? Now there's a certain, there's a certain amount of trust. This guy's a man of God. This guy cares for me. Because you must remember the gifts are without repentance. So even if I abuse the gifts as a pastor, they're not going to get taken away from me. I will still be able to operate in the gifts. I will still be able to do these things. But at the end of the day, I will be like those, those guys in Matthew, uh, Matthew 7, where God says, They'll come to Jesus and they'll say, we prophesy in your name, we, we cast out demons in your name, and Jesus will say, depart from me because I did not know you. Because they were operating without his spirit. They were operating in a different spirit. Sure. Are you with me? A strange spirit. What's the strange spirit? Just go stop. No, don't go. But I'm saying, 
just when you drive past that caravan on the side of the road there and you see the fortune teller, she's operating in that same, same spirit. spirit. Yeah. You know? So if you're lusting after something so insatiably enough and it becomes an idol in your heart, that, op- that opens yourself up to your flesh up to dipping into that spirit and using its power. Are you with me? And uh, then everything's coming from the flesh. Nothing's coming from the Holy Spirit. It is sick. They'll even begin to start distorting the scriptures that they read based on what the pastor has been saying to them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all in line with, okay, I want that. That idol, I, I need, I, whether it's a car, a house, relationship, you'll read everything in context of what your, your, your idol is telling you to read it in. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah. No, and, and, and that's why it's so important for us to always check our hearts, guys, and check... Make sure that we're not attached to anything here. And that's why Church Without Walls, we're always pointing you to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We don't want you to have any uh, attachment to this world. Because it's in a split second, you could be so duped. And you think you're doing the right thing. You're running after something that you think is the kingdom. Something that you think is right, you know. But your, your idol has just taken yeah. you so far off. For sure. Mm-hmm. And listen, it can, be something, it can be something good and it can be something right. But because you're doing it in your own strength without the Holy Spirit leading you, even ministry becomes an idol. Yeah, sure. you know? Even praying for people becomes an idol. Because <laughs> that thing is serving you and it's not serving the person. Are you with me? It's not serving the sheep, it's serving the pastor. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yes. Amen. But just to just to to touch on that, it's like something every Sunday Pastor Didi says. When we hear, we hear out of overflow, abundance. You know, you should be so connected with the Holy Spirit that it doesn't matter whether He's leading you, whether you, whether you're hearing His voice or not. There's just so much abundance. You're like, Lord, let's go. When you see that person, your heart is so moved. I mean, how many times in the Bible have we seen Jesus' heart moved with compassion for someone? You know, that, that's, that's the, the, the point we need to be at when we come here. Well, on a daily basis, because we should be spending that time with him. You know, whether it's five, guys, one second in his presence. I mean, Linda will testify at work sometimes. It's a bit hectic, and we just put... The worship music on and literally not even 10 seconds the peace that comes and we stray out of that it's our choice we get caught up in again the idols or whatever it is oh i got work to do you know i loved what jesus said i'm about my father's business you know we are always like okay i gotta do work you know i got a boss i need to submit to and jesus is like no people the kingdom you know that that's where where the true focus is and we often like to say that's our focus, but there's always an ulterior motive attached to it. You know, it's the kingdom first, but I'll submit to my boss before I submit to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit first always, but, you know, we say that. We say that, and, and this is where we need to, to be accountable. You know, check our hearts on that. Okay, uh, God first, you know, and then in the morning it's like you're running off doing 10 million things, and then it's like, oh, snap. 
three o'clock, now my day is fraught. Lord, where are you? My Lord, you've forsaken me. He's like, no, I've been here the whole day. Where, you ran off without me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just, there's one thing I want to bring, about, bring up, um, and that is on the music thing there, you know. It's actually not the music set in the atmosphere. The music is a connection vehicle. It's a connection point. And what happens is your heart's connecting. So when the people come into your presence, because you're not self-absorbed, you're not agitated, you're not uh, um, you know, uh, self-concerned uh, with the task, what I have yes. to do, this, 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 and that, it's the heart now that is sending that out. It's not, it's not the music itself. The music is the connection point for the heart. Yeah. Yeah, are you with me? So when people come into a depressed person's room, mm. immediately that person's heart is, is you can pick up on it. Mm. They are down, well, yeah, there's like, there's, everything's negative, everything's dark, everything's broken, everything's harsh, everything's too hard, for, life is bad, and you know, this, 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 and that. It's not raining, it's pouring, you know? So, so the thing is, is that it, we must remember, nothing's happening externally. Mm. Everything's happening internally, you know what I'm saying? So we always got to remember that, but the music is the connection point. Okay, so we got to, we always got to remember that. That's why worship here on a Sunday, also the music is a connection point for the hearts. Mm. As soon as they connect, because what they're doing is by singing those lyrics and opening the heart and they're singing about how much God loves me, how faithful God is. God is so mm. good to me. Look at what you have done. I'll never forget what you have done for me. It immediately puts us in a place where we're thinking about, geez, what a love affair we have, what he has helped me through. And because he's helped me in the past, he's going to help me in the future. And mm. what we're doing is now is we're becoming so conscious of God and less conscious of ourselves, our hearts open open and bam yeah. we connect with the Holy Spirit and the next moment we walk out here like a completely different person you know yeah. it's beautiful well that's the thing we've got, always got to remember that um, what we're trying to do is we, we're trying to plug into the source that's our thing we're trying to connect to the source that's what we're trying to do all the time. We have no power. We have no positivity of our own. We have nothing that we can lean on in ourselves as, as a human being because we are in a completely fallen body. The problem is, is that we need to get past the flesh. Remember, the flesh is the veil that stops us from entering in. Are you guys with me? The flesh is the veil. So you've been made, you've been made uh, uh, completely perfect in your spirit, mm. but you're, the only thing that's stopping you from experiencing God like that all the time, it's got nothing to do with how well you've behaved in the day. It's got nothing to do with how much you've uh, uh, um, studied and, and, and learned the, the, the scriptures. It's, it's got to do with how much you are trusting what you've learned in the scriptures. That's it. Because what I've learned in the scriptures must get me to a place where I fall in love with his strength, his power, his ability. Mm. I mustn't try and find myself in the scripture. I've got to find what? That's who this is all about. Yeah. It's not about you. Snap out of your self-consciousness. Mm. Become conscious of who you are in him. Yeah. And as soon as that happens... That's when we start to align ourselves with God. And the next moment we get infused with his vision, 
stuff for our business starts making sense. We can be in business and we can be in the thick of it, guys, and we can feel like we've hit a brick wall and we don't know where to go or whatever the story is. Just one moment standing on your, on your floor of your, of your company or whatever it is, sitting behind your computer, one moment like that, God can give you the answer to open up your business, whether it's regards to sales, a marketing idea, someone you must phone. Um, the next moment you phone this person, hey, man, where you been? Hey, you know what? I was thinking about you. This, 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 and that. Mm. Boom. Hooks you up with somebody else, and God now moves through people. Are, are you with me? That's, that's beautiful. And that's why it's so important not to get caught up in yourself. Yeah. But we've got to remember something, guys. Your, your heart is designed to live. Are you with me? Your heart's not designed to shave your head, put on a cloak, and go sit on Drakensberg Mountain. <laughs> and ring a bell and meditate. Oh, are, are you with me? That is not going to make you more spiritual. Amen? Can't get more spiritual. You cannot become more spiritual than you are. Yeah. But now you've got to learn how you work so that you can, as a spiritually intellectual being, tap into the unseen realm that is available to us. The problem is no one wants to learn how they work. No one wants to read the Bible. No one wants to come on courses. Nobody wants to be at meetings like this. They don't see the value in it. They see the value in getting up, getting to work at 8 o'clock and get the ball rolling, booty. Are you with me? Got to get this done. I know I'm a, hey, man, I've got experience. Before I started my own business, I worked in the corporate world for 25. I know how to do this. Are you with me? So we don't see the value in our spiritual intellect and our connection to the all-knowing, all-powerful one. Are you with me? So we've, we've got to see the value in it. And when we see the value in it, automatically we connect more, connect more, connect more. And the more we're connecting, the more we're flowing. And the more we're flowing, the less hiccups, the less problems, the less the flesh is causing the speed bumps and causing all the issues in our lives. Are you with me? It's something about becoming self-conscious, guys. It is a spiral of death. Sure. Are you with me? I said something on Sunday, and that was that one thought can become two thoughts, two thoughts become a thought pattern, and all of a sudden you've got a holding pattern in your mind, okay? And for six weeks, you can be walking in a spiral of death. Remember the word death doesn't mean just falling over dead from a heart attack or whatever, no air in your lungs. It is actually a disconnect from the source. So whenever we're separated from God and we're operating in the flesh, we're actually operating in a, we think it's life, but it's actually death. Are you with me? Because we're existing here, but we can either exist in Him where all the power is, all the knowledge, all the strength, all the ability, or we can exist here in a fallen human being. That's good. Come on. Are, are you with me? Yeah. So, so we've got to see the value in becoming spiritually intellectual. And that is not running on our five senses 24-7. But people don't want to see this. They want to go to the pastor to pray for the devil because the devil is stopping the customers from coming to the business. Are you with me? It doesn't work like that, guys. The devil, you're not so important. 
I mean, people are so narcissistic, they think the devil's chasing them 24-7. Now, you, gotta, you can't forget the devil is not omnipresent, so he has been chasing that person, and he's forgotten about everybody else. <laughs> Narcissism. <Okay. You> <laughs> now, how narcissistic is that? You are such a main okay that the devil is after you and he's forgotten about all the other oaks over there. You know? No, it's, it's, it's like what Tasso spoke about, was it two, two Sundays ago? About how he was meditating on, um, you know, the death, but he was focusing more on the burial this time. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember what he mentioned about the burial, you know, what that symbolized. It means that you are completely separated from your five senses here. Yes. You know, because that's why we were died. We, we died with Christ, we were buried with him, and we raised to life with him. So now the life is only found in him. Not in our five senses. So that, that, that's something that stood out for me two Sundays ago. And, you know, we brought up sanctification as well. What, it does, yeah. what does it mean to be sanctified? Yeah. You know? It means to be completely cut off from yourself, your five senses. Set apart. Set yeah. apart and be found completely in Christ. Yes. And, and I think we miss the symbolism sometimes when we just say stuff like uh, we, 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 we died with Christ and we were buried and now we, we, we raised to life. Yeah. We don't you know, understand the mechanism. We don't understand the mechanism. And I, th I think that was something, um, you know, really important that he brought up because the, you, you're touching on it now, you know. Yeah. Mm. No, absolutely. So you have, you have that choice because you are existing. But where do you want to exist? No, but that's why it's so important that when we are around, we're the light in the darkness, mm -hmm. and we change the atmosphere. So you, you probably don't even realize how much you are changing, changing the atmosphere. Yeah. So the thing is, you probably don't even realize how much those people in their darkness at home at night can't wait to go to work to see someone like you, because you're the only hope that they actually have. Sure. At home, they're in such darkness, they're not sleeping, they're stressed about this. Hubby and her are fighting. I'm, not just, I'm, I'm just using an example. The kids are all over. Yeah? 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 And you'll be surprised. They're going to work to see you. Yeah. Because it's... Yeah. Well, listen... We have to be sensitive to that because sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, yeah. listen, time out. Mm. Close the door, spend, mm. get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. it's well, you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You have to. See, the, the, the big problem with that is, is that we take on false responsibilities. We take on other people's problems. Mm -hmm. We take on other people's um, unforgiveness. We take on their burdens. And we've got to be very careful because now, meaning, meaning well, we can actually become yeah. the center of the problem. Yeah. Because now what happens is sure. we are, um, uh, there's no better way of saying it, but we can actually fall into savior complex. Mm. I'm the one that's here to save everybody. Yeah. You're not. Mm. I'm not. Mm. Jesus is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're not so, the source. Yes. Yeah. We always have to dream, point yeah. them to the source, you know? Mm. And that's why, and that's, that's when, and sometimes, and it's easy for us to fall into that, eh? Because it's constantly putting out fire, fires all the time. We always, we got to make sure that we are walking in our identity, our true identity. Otherwise, we get sucked into that, that mm. vacuum. But, yeah, no, no, it is. I understand what you understand. But you must remember, Jesus, Jesus made some hectic statements with people yeah. that didn't want to change. Eh? Yeah. Let's take one. What did he say? He said, let the, the dead let bury the, the dead. dead. Yeah. Come, let's go. Mm. 
So what is he saying? He's saying, okay, you don't, they don't want to change. They don't want to listen. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They, you must remember, they, it's actually called secondary gain. gain yeah. Okay, so secondary gain is this, this phenomenon where human beings, okay, they know <laughs> that the Holy Spirit, she might even be a reborn Christian. She might be, I'm not saying she isn't, but okay, so, but even with reborn Christians, they know sozo life inside of them. I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm set free, I'm made prosperous, I'm made whole, okay? That is the package that the Holy Spirit has put inside us as saved Christians. So now what happens is we see that, okay, the Holy Spirit is pulling on us. He's tugging on us. He's going, listen here, you can have a better marriage, but you've got to learn how to forgive your wife easier, quicker. You've got to learn how to listen to your husband. You've got a, you've got a belief in your heart that keeps creating the same issue in your marriage, okay? But... And that's the Holy Spirit. He's leading. He's going, listen here. I'm tugging you. I'm pulling you. There's a, there's a higher sense of life in this relationship available. But because you don't want to transform, okay, you don't want to go through that process, what we do is we stay comfortable in the fact that, well, you know what? I'll make all the money. She won't leave me anyway. So what is it? I'm in control of this thing anyway. Mm. So I know in my heart that this relationship can be better. Mm. But Mm. I choose secondary gain. So secondary gain is I'm still getting something out of it. It's It's not the first option. It's not the best that God has for me. But you know what? I'm cool. I'll stay here. And eventually the secondary gain will kill you. It will eventually rob, steal, uh, break up that marriage. That marriage will probably just hang on it by the skin of its teeth, if you know what I'm saying. And you will not fulfill the deep, meaningful uh, capacity that the, the relationship is supposed to have the way God wants it. And then when we're laying on our deathbed, there's all the regrets. Should have treated my husband better. I should have been more forgiving. Why, didn't I, why did I keep speaking to my kids like that? Why? Because you didn't want to go to the level the Holy Spirit was pulling you to go to that is in you and you can't get away from it because he is the way, he is truth, he is life. So whenever we're living at that lower level, he's always going to be tugging at us, convicting us, not condemning us. Come on. Okay? So there's a big difference between condemnation and conviction. Mm. Condemnation is when we push down somebody and make them feel guilty. Conviction is when we reveal to them who they are. So he reveals to us all the time that you could be living here. And you look at it and you actually, in your prayer time, you're crying and you're saying, no, I do want that. But... You don't want to put in the heart work. You don't want to uh, um, be vulnerable enough for the Holy Spirit to play around and do some surgery in there because it's too uncomfortable. And, it, and you think it's going to be so, uh, uh, um, so burdensome and cumbersome. So what you do is you shut it off and you go, I'll just accept secondary gain. And one day, one day we will actually, we'll stand before God for that. Not that we won't go to heaven. We'll go to heaven. But God says that all of our motives on every decision that we've ever made will either uh, um, be burnt up on an altar in front of us at our reward ceremony. So it's a ceremony where we're getting rewarded. But there's going to be tears. 
There's going to be a sense of loss because we're going to look back in our life and we say, we were so damn selfish and, and lazy within ourselves to never grow as a person in Christ. That's why the apostles, when they pray, they pray that you grow in Christ. Sure. The apostles don't pray for you to have a BMW. <laughs> You'll never hear that. They always pray for you to grow as a person sure, in Christ. Wow. Are you with me? And that's the thing that we've got, to, we, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to just nudge us, just nudge us, and, just nudge, mm. and be swift and quick to obey. Don't mm, delay. Mm, if mm. he's saying, listen, this is the reason why you and your wife are always arguing about this or whatever the story is, uh, just be quick and swift. Listen. And then he just shoves you into that next level of life within your relationship, and then the flow just happens. Mm. It's beautiful. But the only thing stopping it is us. It's not the devil, guys. It's not the devil. We, spe- we, we went to, Chantal actually asked me to go speak to some, some folks last night. And I was speaking to the gentleman, and, and, and this is such a ve- this is perfect example. Okay, now I want you guys to listen very, very carefully. Okay, because this is where this gentleman was. So this gentleman, okay, when I got there, he was like, I've been praying I've been going to churches, I've, I've done what I have, I've, I've been putting in the offering bag, I've been doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, but my business is not, I'm not getting business opportunities, I'm not uh, operating in the things that I've, I've actually studied to operate in, so I'm earning a whole lot less money, I'm almost like an engineer, but at the moment I'm a sales rep. Now, he said to me that this must be a curse from his dad. Do you see where we go? you see where we've been taught? We've always been taught something external. Mm. It's always someone else's fault. Yep. It's never our own fault. Are you with me? But we must remember that Christ has given us the gift of righteousness so that we can stand as a righteous being even if we are weak earthen vessels. Mm. So it says that we are weak earthen vessels that carry the glory of God. So what are we worried about? Why are we scared for the Holy Spirit to stretch us? He's not going to stretch us to hurt us. He's stretching us so that more glory that's in us comes out. So this guy he says to me, no business opportunities are opening up. My career is not taking off. Uh, it must be a curse. It must come from my father. My dad was this, 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 and that. Um, I've gone to so many churches. The pastors don't walk with me. I can see in my heart the pastors duck and dive me. And I'm like, sure. Okay. But anyway, and he carries on. And the Holy Spirit starts to show me that he has materialistic issues in his heart. It shows me that he has offense to himself. Now listen to this, guys. He was turning so bitter in his heart. His heart had become so bitter, so dark, and so hard that, now remember what I said, we can either exist in life himself, Christ, or we can exist separated in death in ourselves. Are you with me? Do you know what his own heart started telling him? Listen to this. Just from... The hard times from doing it in his own strength over the years, from never experiencing success because he wasn't flowing with God, he was doing it in his own strength, guess what his own heart started telling him? You're going to die at this age. Now in the conversation, he pops up all of a sudden and he says, it's so bad that I'm already saying in the mornings to my wife 
that I will die at this age. Do you, but do you understand what I'm saying? So you must understand that this is the spiral of death. One thought becomes two thoughts. Two thoughts become a, a thought pattern. A thought pattern becomes a holding pattern. It holds you in that place, okay? And now what happens is, you're not connecting with God. Everything is me, myself, and I. This is going wrong. It must be this. It's my past. It's my, it's my um, everything external. It's never me. It can't be changed. I have to maybe go to a pastor to pray for me and deliver me or, or whatever it is. But he stays in that stuck. It's called a stuck state. And then what happens is the heart starts to tell itself, um, you will now actually die at this age. Why is, he, why is his heart making a death for his, uh, age for his death? Can anyone tell me? It's quite easy. The feedback, you see the playback of the heart. Okay, so he's not connecting to life, he's existing in himself. So now, guess what happens? Because he's existing in himself and he can't see a way out of himself, he now forfeits the vision of God's per, or God's per, God's per, 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 God's perspective. Are you with me? So now he does not have the vision of I'm gonna be able to earn this, do that, live like this, have a life like this, have a wife, a relationship like this with my wife, with my kids, with my parents, with my in-laws. He can't see that. He's stuck within himself. Now the heart starts to twist and twist and twist and twist. It gets darker, it gets harder, and now it starts putting death in, and it goes, you will die by 70. And now guess what he does? He wakes up in the morning and he says, and you know what, pastor, I've been waking up in the morning telling my wife, uh, I'm going to die at 70. I can't see myself live past 70. And he's like, I don't understand why. But I took him on a journey of his heart and he, he, he was crying because he didn't realize that he had done this to himself. He was saying it's the devil or it's God or it's curses from his parents or whatever it is. Do you understand the importance here, guys? The importance of staying connected. The importance of never entertaining those thoughts. True spiritual warfare is that. It's not going shouting at the devil for 20 hours. Throwing your house out with uh, holy water. <laughs> anointing oil. <laughs> are, you, are you with me? Anointing oil. Those are just connection points like the music. The oil is a connection. It's a faith point for people. Mm. There's no power in the oil. Come on. The power's in the blood. It's a connection point. Okay? So, so the thing is, is that, so now what happens is, you can either exist, because we are existing. We are at this time, in this, in this space, in time, we are existing. But we can either exist intellectually, I mean spiritually, intellectual, in God's capacity, or we can exist fleshly, in a fleshly capacity within ourselves. That's it. God said, I put before you life and death, choose life. You never said choose what's wrong and what's right. Come on. He said, find it within your heart, the value to seek out life. But how long do we have to walk in our flesh, bump our head, hurt ourselves, hurt 
the people that we love, damage our marriages, our businesses, our health, all this kind of stuff. How long do we have to do that before we wake up and say, listen, I see the value there. I want that capacity. I do not, do not longer want to be here. Are you with me? This is what this is all about. That's what it's all about. This is, and it's very cut and dry. It's straightforward. Straightforward. But do you see the value? Amen? Do you see the value? Listen, the heart is a, is a tricky, tricky character. That's why you have to spend time renewing it. And you're going to have to renew it every day until you see Jesus. Because you will you'll renew this thing and you'll be whole in this part of your life. But then another challenge is coming around because it's a fallen world. And this challenge is going to hit you, bang, like a Tyson right hook. And the next moment, it hits you straight back into feelings. And those feelings take you back to how you used to sort your stuff out years ago. Now, all of a sudden, you find yourself... Jeez, why am I thinking like that again? Why am I um, thinking that's a solution? Are you with me? Why did I even contemplate going to go use my credit card? Why? I know. I don't have the money. Why would I do? Are, are you with me? We have to renew our minds all the time. All the time. So today is the day of salvation. Not last year or the year 1975 when you put your hand up. Today is the day of salvation. Only a man who is humble enough to know that his flesh is flawed and fallen says today is the day of my salvation. Mm. If he still thinks he's capable and he is able to do anything in his flesh, he does not go to God first. Mm. He goes to, I can do this thing. I can do this thing. And before you know it, you'll get yourself wrapped up in yourself and you're in a death spiral. I mean, it's, this is crazy stuff, guys. But this is how it works. This is how it works. Just offense in his heart, unforgiveness in his heart. Now, the unforgiveness in his heart, you know what that does immediately? Immediately, unforgiveness isolates you from everybody else. Because unforgiveness is a hurt and it's a pain that you try and deal with in your own terms. Most of the time, what you're dealing with is you're trying to get justice. Okay, so now you're not even thinking about how you are interacting with other people, your wife, your children, your family. You are so bent on, I need to get some retribution. Yeah, pound of flesh. And the next moment, you are the judge, jury, and the executioner. But guess what? You're judging yourself, you are the jury against yourself, and you're executing yourself. You're not even doing anything to that person. And the next moment, that thing makes you so self-conscious. The next moment, you're not even aligning with God in the morning or during the day. You're not even listening to God. You're just so caught up in yourself that you want to get this thing sorted out. Holy Spirit's still talking to you like he was before you fell into the offense. He doesn't leave you or forsake you. He doesn't take Jesus back. Jesus is given. He can't be pulled back. He made that statement. He, he made that move 2,000 years ago. So now he says, listen, uh, 
forgive the person, just let it go. Forgive. Remember what I did on the cross. Remember what mm. But we are stuck in ourselves and we're going and we're going and we're going. And the next moment, we become so dark, so hard in our hearts, it starts affecting our relationship with our wives, our children, our family, our friends, our bosses, all this kind of stuff. Why? How does unforgiveness with my child or my best friend affect my relationship with my boss? Can anybody tell me? How does it go from there to my boss? How does it go from me and my girlfriend to my customer? How? Can anyone tell me? Sounds a bit weird, eh? How do you link those two up, Pastor How the heck did it go from there and sour this relationship? Can anyone tell me? Okay. The thought patterns are part of it. But what do the thought patterns revolve around? The thought patterns revolve around my hurt, my pain. Now, I'm so focused on my hurt and my pain, I feel so sorry for myself. Okay? God doesn't love me. The guys at the church are not even acting the same anymore. Because why? You didn't pick up on it before because you weren't self-conscious. Now you're so self-conscious, JR walks past and he doesn't say hello. You know, Pastor, I saw JR, I think there's something wrong. Wow, what's wrong? As he walked straight past me. I said, how's it to me? He didn't even look at me. Meantime, he was looking at Dylan at the sound desk. Hey, how's it? <laughs> Why are we there? Because yeah. now we're so sensitive because we've been in ourselves, thinking about ourselves, breeding and brewing all of this stuff. Yeah. Are you with me? Now we take this death that we're carrying it's got no vision for anyone or anything outside. And our customer comes into the room and he says, you know what, I wasn't happy with your service last week, whatever. Next moment, I've been serving you for 20 years, you blankety-blank poop-off, whatever. And the next moment, customer's like, what the heck? I'm never dealing with this like again. And guess what? Now you go home, the customer tells you, Listen, flick ye in your glory in my brew. Okay, now you go home, and now you've lost the customer, and now your wife's like, what's wrong? Shut up, man! Why does everything have to be, why do you think everything's wrong 24-7? What's wrong with you, man? Now your wife has got an issue. Okay? And guess what? The spiral continues, and it continues, and it continues. And the next moment, you're so lost in yourself. And, and, and let me tell you something, your pain, okay, your pain is demanding your attention. It is demanding attention. And now you're so locked up in trying to, to uh, uh, what's the right word? Um, stroke your pain. What do you call it? Uh, Ease your pain, numb your pain. Ease your pain, numb your pain, or, or uh, you know, um, lull, it. lull your little <laughs> self. You're so caught up in lulling yourself, mm. you know. Oh, don't worry, baby. Mm. You know, you're a good guy, the world is bad. Mm, mm, mm. You're so caught up in that, okay, that you cannot afford to show a smile, to say sorry, because you're still looking for that thing to be satisfied by the person who has forgotten about the thing that you offended about five months ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and they are flourishing, my friend. They are pumping. Work is going well. They just got three promotions, and now you're still sitting here. <laughs> and then you look and you see they're promoted. Yeah. What? God, yeah. this is unfair. <laughs> what kind of just God are you? Yeah, that's true. Oh, my pain. My pain needs my attention. But guess what? Jesus is saying, listen here, why are you carrying the pain? My son took all the pain for you. My son got whipped, pierced, bruised, spat on, made a shame so that you can release this thing and you can be free. But if you don't do it, if you don't do it, you will set yourself off in a death spiral. And I promise you, I promise you, before you know it, you will have some serious relationship issues. You might have even lost your wife by then or your husband. Your kids do not want to be around you. They are literally counting down. The day I turn 18, I am out of ya. They can't wait to get the foot out of the door because they're like, you know what, my dad is a sourpuss. And there's no way I'm living here one minute longer than I have to. I'm out. My mom is a control freak and she doesn't, she just, you know what? She's got issues with my dad and she takes it out on the whole family. I'm out. The day I'm 18 and I got a license, I'm sure. And guess what you just did? You sent your children out into the world before their time. The Holy Spirit hasn't set them up yet, hasn't, hasn't set the whole thing up. They've run out there to get away from you, and they've run straight into all the issues they didn't want to have. Yeah. Sure. So we got a, a spiral of death that just keeps continuing and continuing. But if you can just stop, amen, and deal with your heart, give it to Jesus. Come on. Yes. Mm. Yes. So, yeah. So now, what is the antidote for this thing? Forgive, yes, that's, the, that's one of them. But there's an antidote that God gives us in the Bible that's, that begins, it begins with, a selfless attitude. So God says fast. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be self, uh, uh, self-centered or self-conscious. God says pray because he knows if you're self-conscious, you're existing, yeah. So he says pray and connect to you, yeah. He says go and serve people. Get to the church. Get involved. Whether it's cleaning the chairs, whether it's um, saying hello to people at the front door, whether it's going out, coming to the prayer meeting and laying hands on folks, come here to get out of yourself. Constantly get away from yourself. Because the moment you get caught up in yourself, 
the death spiral begins. Come on. So when the pastors say, hey guys, learn to give, give of your time, give of your money, give of your energy, come on the courses, come learn how to serve in the community, serve your brother, serve this. Everybody's going, yes, but that's going to cost me, that's going to cost me, that's going to cost me, that's going to cost me. Meantime, the paradox is it's going to save you. Because every time you choose to sit at home and not be in a meeting like this, you are self-conscious. You have the, you are putting yourself in the probability of, hey, me, myself, and this, and God, how am I going to pay this bill? Ooh. Yeah. See, it doesn't have to be unforgiveness. It can be worry. Any other thing, yeah. It doesn't have to be, it can be anything that's self-conscious that is going to start the death spiral in your life. So he says, get involved. Always serve your brother. Always look to love and serve. Constantly pour yourself out. Why must I pour myself out? Because I don't want to keep anything in there. Come on. Because there's a possibility it goes sour. Mm, mm, mm. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. And he says, if you can get to that place, okay? Uh, he said, uh, there's actually a beautiful song. It's called Without Caution. <clears throat> says yeah. that I will pour my love out to you without any caution. Mm. If you need me, Lord, I will be at the prayer meeting. Mm. If, if, and if you don't need me, I'll be at the prayer meeting because I know. Just like David, he didn't want to go to war. What happened to David, guys? Can anyone tell you? <laughs> the king chose to sit at home now because he's comfortable. Oh, yeah? And the next moment, while in his comfortable, he's eating his grapes there. He sees this beautiful Bathsheba bathing <laughs> naked. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, caramba. <laughs> and remember what I said? One thought becomes, <laughs> becomes two thought and then his lift off. <laughs> Are you with me? And what does he do? Because he's not following God... And it's not about, hey, you better follow God or this is going to happen. No, it's not about that. It's about you being mature enough to know. I am my biggest enemy. Yep. I need to be where life is. God doesn't say, hey, do the right thing and don't do the wrong thing. He says, no, choose life. Come on. Don't choose death. Come on. Where's death? Death is in your flesh. Death is in you. Death is in your old memories, your old ways, your old maps. Death is all you know. Yo. But life is him. Sure. And that's why you have to discipline yourself. You have to see the value. And the value is I ain't sitting at home feeling sorry for myself, trying to fix myself, or trying to make a plan here because I know this is going south. Mm. Look at David. Not in the right place at the right time because of self. Sees Bathsheba. <coughs> next moment calls his guards. Go and bring that woman here. He tries to swoon her. Tries to sweep her off her feet. The next moment, mm. what, is it, what happens? She, she says, now I'm married. Uzziah, your, your choice soldier. How can, I, how can I turn my back on my husband? The man who supports and loves you. You are his king. Mm. And David, hey, I'm the king. I'm here. You here. I'm here. Let's make it happen. Next moment, forces himself on her. Basically rapes her. The king of Israel, guys. The king of Israel. You think if he can't fall, you can't fall. Come on. Yeah. This is the man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. God said that. God said, David is the man after my own 
heart. But he chose to be in himself in that moment for too long, and guess what? He ended up raping. He's, he's uh, uh, um, it's not even the captain. He was like the, I don't know, what's the highest pips you get in the army? General. The general of his army. Rapes this woman, puts her pregnant. <laughs> now what? Cover up Tom. He says to her, I'm calling your husband back. Well, he doesn't say it to her. He says to the other guys, he says, listen, I'm the guys in the army. I'm calling Uzziah back off the front lines. Bring him back. And then he says to her, sleep with your husband so that he, he may think that this baby is from, from you. So sets up the whole thing. Um, make sure that they, uh, you know, going to spend time together. And then the next moment, Uzziah is found sleeping outside of David's uh, uh, um, throne room. Or he's... Um, what do you call it? You, chambers, sorry. So he's sleeping outside the chambers. And David comes out thinking, okay, this is all solved. He slept with his wife. So if he thinks, if a baby comes, he knows it's, uh, it could possibly be his. I'm, all, I'm out of this then. And the next moment, he opens the door and he has Uzziah sleeping at his, at his door. And he's like, what are you doing here? It's like, how can I, how can I be sleeping here at the, at the king's chambers while my men are dying on the battlefield? I don't want to sleep with my wife. I don't want to be with my wife. I'm supposed to be with my men. Mm. I'm here to protect king and country. Yeah. So David now, what does he do? Now he's in trouble. Sends him back with a note to the other guys. When the Philistines come over the, it was the Philistines or the Syrians. Yeah. When they come over, the, over the, the charge line, draw back all the soldiers and let Isaiah and his guys' platoon go ahead so that they get slaughtered. The man who loved him so much, he lands up, wow, one moment sure. of self. I'm trying to paint a picture for you today. I don't know, I don't know if you're getting it. Are you getting oh, it? This is good. Sure. I'm trying to paint this picture that this is where death, it creeps at our door. <laughs> what, did, what did God say to, to uh, um, uh, Cain? Cain came there with his offering. God rejected it. Killed his brother. But, he, but God warned him. God said, listen here. Sin is knocking at your door. It's creeping. At you. Where is it creeping? Self-power. Sure. Self-rectification. Self-justification. Self, self, self. This is not, forget about all the sins and stuff. Jesus paid for that stuff. Are you with me? Make sure you see the value in getting out of yourself. And let me tell you one thing. Everybody's so worried about the devil. The devil is a weak, pathetic salesman. He's actually a jobless salesman. He's like these oaks that we have here in the ANC, the minister with our portfolio. You know what I'm saying? He has no authority. He has no job. He's forfeited his job. His job was to cover us. Sure. His original position was the covering angel of earth mm. to protect God's children in, in the spiritual realm. He turned on us out of jealousy. Mm. He turned on us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to debase us because his first attempt in the heavens, the first rebellion was, uh, was quenched. And he was kicked out of heaven. 
So he turned it to a second rebellion, and the second rebellion is to debase you and your children, your children's children. And turn and twist your heart to the point where he becomes God of you in the sense of you draw back into yourself to such a, such a weak point with no belief and you're full of doubt and you're full of all the stuff that drives death. And that's when he takes out his little whip and he starts whipping because he's an opportunist. He has no power. His only power is that you as a child of God do not know and operate in the life that is there for you. His backyard is, can anyone tell me where's the devil's backyard? You know, you don't go out in the backyard because that dog might bite you. You know that, huh? The devil's playground is the flesh. It's the flesh. Play in the flesh, try in the flesh, work in the flesh. Are you with me? And he's, he's, he's part of the bulldog, uh, the, you know, the, the, the guys with the lock jaws. Once he locks, he don't let go that easy. Are you with me? Are you with me, guys? Do you understand the value of what we are doing here? Do you understand the value of your service to each other? You're giving of yourself so that you can lose yourself, so that you can find love. Come on. Sure. Jesus said it. He said, if you want to live, die. Mm. There's no other way to enter into life. You must die first. <laughs> Amen? Do not play with your feelings. Do not give your feelings one minute longer airtime in your mind than it deserves. Your feelings will trip you up so quickly and you'll be in the death spiral and the next moment you'll be saying, I can't live past this much. And that's just the end result. It all started over here. But you'll never hear this preached in the church. Nope. You'll always hear that the devil is, he's the one that's causing all of this. No, he's the one that reacts to you causing it. Are you with me, guys? Do you see the value? Man, when, when, when a tussle gets up here or a bash gets up here, whoever gets up here, they're called by God. This is not a career. Come this on. is not a job. I, <laughs> if I had a choice, guys, okay? If I had a choice, I would not be doing this. But, and I've tried to run away from it many times. Because I'm like, I get, I also, I'm just a human being. I also get to those days where I'm like, Lord, they don't care. They don't listen. They don't see the value. They don't appreciate it. And then God always has to tell me, he's like, but this is between me and you. Come on. Whoever comes on the lifeboat, it's fine. Whoever wants to stay off, that's their choice. You keep driving the train. Drive the train. Drive the train. But Lord, they're getting off. It's fine. Drive the train. Drive the train. That's what I've called you to do. And there'll be some on the train that are reading the newspaper. They don't even know why they're on the train. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. You get this train. 
You get this train to where I told you to get it. That's all. That's all I'm asking sure. of you. Come on. Just get it. It stops at the platform. A couple of oaks get off. Ah, man. This, 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 whatever, whatever. But they can't see, they can't see it because their heart doesn't see the value in what is being done. They're trying to get something from here to fulfill their flesh. Are you with me? Their materialistic things or whatever or justification for their feelings or whatever. But yeah, we're going, listen, remember Jesus. You've got to die so that you can enter in. And it doesn't suit many people, so they get off. There's some that are in here trying to make money. You know? If I listen to the pastor enough and I go on the courses, I hit a jackpot with my tithe. One day it's going to happen. And then eventually they get off like, I don't know where. Some of them just fall off before the train even stops. Some of them are jumping off. <laughs> are you with me? So, so we've got to understand what this is all about, guys. This is, you must understand, there's a weight on a Tasso's life. There's a weight on a Bash or a Didi or whoever God calls you. This is not something that we decided to go study for and have a career opportunity. I need a job. I let me go into ministry. Ooh, bad decision. <laughs> Are you with me? That's not what this is about, guys. This is about a, a calling because God has put something in our hearts for you guys. God has put something in our hearts for every person that walks through this door. We're like, come on, this train's going to life. Get on. Just get on. And some of them, they get on and off and on and off and on and off. But you know what? The train's still going. And you know what? Your ticket is paid for by Jesus. And sure. we're going. Let's go look for life. And that's what it's about. But until you see the value of it, you won't, you won't experience what God is talking about. Amen? Coming to church, being a part of a church family like this, it's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. Because I need to give of myself so that I don't get stuck in this death. Amen? And guess what God says? It says, because you seek the kingdom first mm. and you gave of yourself as a living sacrifice. Mm. Now, everything that your heart desired mm. in the time that I ordain will all be added to you. Mm. A wife that loves you, children that respect you, friends that admire you, people that are inspired by you. Laugh that you get up every morning and you can sense me in you, in your thoughts, in your feelings, in your speech, in your worship. Are you with me? This is life. This is life. This is what he's saying. This is what it's about. But if you don't want it and you want to use this to get what your flesh wants, God doesn't give life to bring death. <laughs> Come on. Or to prop death up. Amen? I don't know. Do you, somebody want to add something? I know it's a little bit heavy. It's a little bit deep. But we have to have these sessions.
Why? Yeah. Why is it so hard for dead people to just rest? <laughs> no, because you know why they haven't died. They haven't died. <laughs> That's why they're not resting. Because a dead person should be resting better than anyone else. <laughs> for goodness' sake. The flesh is there with. <laughs> have you ever Have you ever walked up to a, 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 a casket? I mean, I always <laughs> use this one, and you tell them, "Hey, Malema just became president." <laughs> no, dead person doesn't do that. Right, yeah. Dead persons. Are you with me? <laughs> but why is it so hard for dead people to rest? Yo, please, go check your heart because there's places you haven't died yet. Yeah, that's true. Will you please go die to whatever that thing is that's driving you, please, before it destroys you? Amen? Amen. Amen. Mm. Amen. He's a jerk because he's reacting to everything yeah. instead of resting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen, guys. <laughs> so before before we go, I got I got to go and um, help a couple out there. So uh, I'm gonna hand it over to Grant, and uh, Grant's gonna lead the prayer. Is that cool, yeah. Grant? Take everyone through a meditation, please. Okay. okay? And then um, Eds, you're gonna strike up the the, the music, Some and you guys are going to close your eyes. And you're going to take everything that was said and you're going to, mm. you're going to mull through it and then you're going to see where is that thing where death is still, a, death, death is still, still alive, alive in you, okay? <laughs> and um, I want you to go and deal with it. Remember, prayer means to judge, reconcile, and send away. Yeah. That's all judge means. I mean, prayer means, mm. okay? Judge the feeling, judge the behavior, reconcile it back to the cross, and then send it away to the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. Forgive yourself. That's another. Sending away is the forgiving of self and releasing that thing into the blood. Mm. Amen. So judge, reconcile, but go in there. Don't be scared. That's what prayer is. 
prayers, nothing else. Judge, reconcile, send away, and leave here tonight in peace, expecting life to hit you around every corner that you go. Mm. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Give God a big shout of praise, guys.